0: You know, in the small business world, you don't have that much room to miss, right? Because mm-hmm. if you if you miss on a sales hire, not only did are you paying in to whatever their ramp is, uh, you got you got to get that person right, no doubt.
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is building great sales teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a good one for you today. On the podcast, we've got Tommy McNulty. He's the founder and CEO at Rhythm, which is an operating system for high-performing sales teams. Tommy, let's jump right into to Rhythm. Uh, what is this software and where did the need originate?
0: Yeah, great question, and thanks for having me here. So. Rhythm is a way for sales leaders to extrapolate key efficiency metrics from their financial plans and their CRM, things like CAC to LTV, profitability per segment, profitability by team, and then create plans and plays around how to improve those metrics while bringing managers and reps along for the ride. Okay. So the yeah. need, and you know, I'm just to tell you it's a quick, quick little story. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a VP of sales and uh, it was 2018, and I had gotten an email before our board meeting from you know our, our like most prominent board member, and he had sent a note to me with the CEO copied, which said, "Hey Tommy, why is the SDR team 75% of our CAC? Dot dot dot. What are you doing to drive it down?" Now I did not know the SDR team was 75% of the CAC. I was just giving myself round of applause for all the meetings we had been setting.
1: What's um, a, first off, <laughs> what's a CAC?
0: Yeah, yeah, so so customer acquisition costs, so. Oh, uh, okay. The, the, yeah, yeah the, the, the amount of money that we are, are spending to yes uh, acquire a new customer with marketing and SDRs rolled into that. Okay. Um, and I didn't know that SDRs had eaten so much into that cost. So I definitely didn't have a plan to drive it down. So here I was, VP of sales, like, oh, we're setting all these meetings. Great. Like SDR teams performing, but the financial formula was off actually. And I didn't know. And my belief is that these quote unquote formulas are the foundation for how you have to make good decisions to run your revenue organization. Mm -hmm. So. I was the uh, the village idiot right at that moment on the executive team, not knowing this stuff. So I had to get fluent really quickly. But after talking to some of my friends in the sales world and doing some discovery, it seemed that the world that we are moving to in sales around top line growth, but also bottom line growth, ensuring mm-hmm. that there is profit and money left over at the end of all the growth that you do is actually equally part finance as it is sales so understanding kind of the game you're playing on the field uh -hmm. is really where rhythm focuses and where the need came from
1: you know that makes a a ton of sense and i'm gonna like because you're using a lot of acronyms you know what i'm saying (laughs) and and our group i guess uh not that they you know don't come from b2b but b2b is a whole nother world when it comes to sales right and yep. and I and I have had probably about twenty plus or so B two uh, B centric guests, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, softwares, um, you know, sales teams, all different kinds of stuff. But what I like to do is kind of uh, you know translate a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the the first thing that you said was you know the the metrics based on like different teams, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at those, it you know, especially if you're a small business per se.
2: Yeah.
1: It's very hard to measure those um, because if you don't have the data or you don't have the reporting to back it up or you haven't created it yourself, then you're relying on a feeling, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so taking that, that taking that uh, from feeling to reality, uh, you need the numbers to back that up. And so one of the things that we did and... You know, my first business was door-to-door sales, right? Mm-hmm. And so I built out door-to-door sales team for at you know, security, eventually solar. And so we had multiple locations in every market. And so what I started doing, and this was just me being a nerd and wanting to figure this out, like, what was my profit per location? And mm-hmm. I was unpleasantly surprised <laughs> my what I thought were winners were losers and what I thought were losers were winners. It just kind of turned it all upside down for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I felt it my responsibility to get my team, those metrics, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, when you say you were at that time kind of like the village idiot, I don't think that's mm-hmm. fair. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's- I feel like if your leadership knew that that was an important metric, that that should have been on your dashboard. And so maybe it wasn't at the time and that's kind of, like you said, where the need originated?
0: Yeah, I think the the typical sales dashboard, we've all seen it, right? Some level of activity and demos, or in your case, walk-ins and conversions mm-hmm. to closed deals, like some variation of that. And what's not on a typical sales dashboard are the com the financial components, like what right. you just said, like your profitability per territory account or Mm -hmm. segment like that's a really interesting one um something like are our aes more profitable or less profitable than they were six to nine months ago because if they're more profitable then maybe we can raise comp right or we can Mm -hmm. do things like that and those are metrics that they exist they just tend to exist in a very siloed part of the organization, which is usually the office of the CFO. Right. So in, in, in my case, my my life, which was highly, highly stressful, was Mm -hmm. at the end of every quarter, there'd be this post two weeks, like sit down with like the head of finance where it would be, did you know this? Did you know that? What are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? And I kind of just like stopped in that first conversation and was like, we need to do this far more frequently, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I don't have access to what you have access to. Exactly. Um, so, what we've done at Rhythm is try to democratize a lot of those key financial components to allow leaders to make system level decisions, right. right? Like, can we afford all these SDRs? Can we afford to work these industries? Right, so you can really build a healthy sales organization because my belief, and you've seen this in your career, I'm sure. Like some mm-hmm. of the, a lot of the toxicity and craziness that happens in sales organizations, grow, 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 fire, fire, fire. Yeah. It's just because somebody got the math wrong, <laughs> right? right? Like, like I love like, that. Like it, it's it's actually it's 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 true. It's like you, you talk to you see companies now in in the world mm-hmm. I live in in B two B, like you know, lopping off 30, 40 SDRs at once was like you clearly didn't you clearly couldn't have that team. Like, right. like it's like you you didn't you didn't run the formula correctly mm-hmm. right. And then you screw up people's lives, right? Like and I really do believe if you want to be a people focused leader, you gotta understand this stuff.
1: No, I couldn't agree more. And as I was kind of perusing y'all's site, I noticed some some metrics that you know, again, they're probably common in B2B, but they're not. For small business owners and i really yep. want to point that out that if you get a hold of these metrics that you can become dynamic as a small business you know and so one one of the things that i always point out to my clients is they you know two numbers like you just said your customer acquisition cost right mm-hmm. so if what, what i find is even though they have an ad cost they have a a lead cost Um, when a salesperson brings a, uh, set, what we call a self-gen, right? Mm -hmm. Self-generated lead that they're not paying them extra for that. And I always find that surprising because it's like, okay, you're willing to have the pockets of the ad companies, but not your own salespeople. If they generate the Mm -hmm. sale themselves, whether it be through social media, through referrals or, uh, organic marketing. Mm -hmm. And so I point that out and I, and I try to get them a self-gen commission split, you know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. uh, on the other side, you know, a big deal right now is recruiting. People are always asking mm-hmm. like, how do I get better salespeople? And how do I um, recruit more people if, they, if they're volume-based? You know, mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of my clients are. And, and I found one of the most pivotal numbers uh, back when I expanded very fast the year after was me figuring out, okay, what's my uh, cost per hire? Right. Mm-hmm. when I'm bringing in these new salespeople and everything. And once I identify that for them then they realize, oh, again, I can go back to my salespeople and say, hey, I can go and hire in the workforce and it'll cost me, you know, 650 or $1,500 per hire once it's all said and done.
0: Mm-hmm. Or you
1: can bring somebody in that I know is going to be five times more effective because I have the data. And I know yep. that you've re- y'all referred people in before and they're five times more successful at our company.
2: Mm-hmm. And-, and then
1: I'll pay you two grand referral fee once they're here for 90 days, something like that. Yep. And that's so yep. much more effective than going out and like to the sea of candidates that
0: all are salespeople, you know, and, and I'm trying to hire from there. Yeah. You know, sales hiring is, is such a unique beast. Um, you know, at, at scale at my last company, we were doing about 20 reps a month, um, we were bringing in, so the volume of people that you have to talk to, to do that. Um, yeah. yeah. So you have to come up with some heuristics. I, you know, in the small business world, you, you don't have, uh, you, you, you don't have that much room to miss, right? Because mm-hmm. if you, if you miss on a sales hire, not only did, are you paying in to whatever their ramp is, like you're you're basically making this like financial bet that's going to turn into money over the next 9 12 18 months
2: mm-hmm.
0: but if you're contingent on them or dependent on them getting your product really to market right and let's say you have a smaller sales team right uh you got you got to get that person right like no 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 doubt and setting up the game for them i think in the beginning of like okay like here are the exact activities that like we need you to do i i know you're going to bring in your own special sauce as a great salesperson from your previous careers but i as the business owner understand the rules of the game we're playing and now i need you to figure out how to play it really 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 well where i think where a lot of small businesses uh go awry and the only reason i, I touch on this because my last company we, we ran a marketplace for small business finance so all nice. we did all day with was talk to small businesses yeah. um so i had a lot of these conversations like pro bono like hey i got four sales reps how should we handle this yeah um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um the like the, the the key is you again you're, you're not going to necessarily have like all the data flowing to you from all the SaaS products like you might find in like traditional venture back mm-hmm. e, e to b but you can be like hyper clear about like what you want and what that person is going to have to do and be insanely rigorous in their first two to three months around getting them there. And I, I hate to say this cause it sounds really cold, but in SM, if you hire a salesperson, in SMB, the, the leash is actually, I think got to be a lot shorter than mm-hmm. if you, if you're in a big company, because the, the, the blast radius for damage of a bad sales rep is yeah. so high actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause you can get one bad Google review from that sales rep and you're you're making up for it for the next six months, you know?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. And like when you're doing door to door, it's like it's so people oriented. Right. So you got a bad you, you get a bad egg. All mm-hmm. of a sudden you have a bad you have a completely bad territory because yeah. of that bad bad egg. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and like we've all That's seen this that then you, then you go put a great sales rep in there and they're like trying to climb Mount Everest with people who are mm-hmm. like, oh, you're from this company. This person screwed me out of X, Y and Z. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So it's super, super important. Absolutely.
1: So I want to pivot a little bit here and kind of go back. So I, I, I went to the C more in the, in the experience that you had in the past in your LinkedIn profile and I saw jujitsu,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and that was surprising to me because it was, it was literally like, I think in 2012 from jujitsu to B2B sales. So <laughs> yeah, what happened there? Like why, why that, yeah. transition or that pivot, or maybe you were in sales before. Cause I, I noticed it was a, a part-time instructor at the time.
0: Yeah. So it, it wasn't a sales job, but it was a sales job. So I started working at this school in Brooklyn and I think it was like 2004 or 2005 mm-hmm. and at the time it was a karate school with one jujitsu class a day. And this was right when UFC got like really popular actually. Nice. So we had like crazy demand Um, and we had this thought, which was like, what if we built a school that wasn't for the 18 to 30 year old men who wanna go and fight and compete, right? Like what if we built a school for everybody else? People who want fitness, children, women, seniors. Mm -hmm. turns out the market for that is much bigger than the oh, market for, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, you know, young that's men why personal trainers fight. exist. <laughs> Is that market? Yeah. 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 like want to go fight. So we, we actually scaled to eight schools in Brooklyn and what I would do in my role, I would go to every new school and my job was to sign up the first hundred students. So I was doing sales. Like, I was walking yeah. the street with a clipboard and we were doing two year contracts. This wasn't like a pay per class type of thing. So like, right. it wasn't, wasn't like called sales, but it's kind of how I started to understand it and start to learn it and you know for me, it kind of came to the point where, like what what did I want to open my own school or or did I want to you know go do something else and you know i I wanted to go into the tech world and I felt that I had gotten all this good experience, and mm-hmm. you know a good place for me to be would be around how could I help these larger scale organizations to products yeah, no that so, makes
1: a lot of sense it, yeah, so that, especially coming from where you coming from too
0: yeah and it it like you know it's listen you want to sell b2b great you know it's harder than selling b2b go and walk the street with a clipboard right Mm -hmm. and try to and try and try to get people to like give you their email and their phone number to like come into a class and then when they come into the class take them aside after the class and say hey do you want to sign up for a two-year contract it's you know whatever it is four thousand dollars like oh do you want to pay up do you want to pay up front um local community people right not be b2b right. um so you know it was hard but i i loved it because you know i i and this is something that's always stuck with me about doing sales i loved it because i was confident that these people even though apprehensive about spending money would get mm-hmm. an immense amount of value from what we were doing and i've tried to really craft my career around that and not just go sell for the sake of selling where yeah. I I personally need to really believe in the value like tangibly. Mm-hmm. Right. And if that's true, then yeah, I can go and sell my pants off. Right. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's that belief that like you're really adding value that I think is so critical yeah. for a salesperson to find those types of roles.
1: No, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, uh, one of the tenants we operated on, it's like we're not going to sell a product, we don't believe it, we don't believe it's the best on the market, we're not going to sell it, you know. Totally, and we we had to pivot, I think it was uh 2016 from ATT Uverse to DirecTV because of that. Because at the time, okay. Uverse was no longer, in our opinion, the best product on the market, so we pivoted and you know, to our benefit, it also paid more for DirecTV, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that worked yeah. out really nicely, Win-win. but that's what. Yeah, that's what was happening they had the Sonic ticket they had the genie you know they had all the the channels that anybody could ever want they had hallmark you know which was mm-hmm. like if you if you've ever sold cable before you know that it's like that's the big deal right but anyways yeah. um no i i couldn't agree with that more a lot of times sales people aren't good at this particular position or they've hit a low in their career because they just don't believe in the product anymore. they've seen the fulfillment happen they've seen the stories come back from that and they're like just freaking devastated when they find out oh it's not everything that we're pitching you know what i'm saying
0: yeah you, you don't you don't want to be made into a liar mm-hmm. right like like i don't think anybody likes that um and i think if you're going in and saying yeah this is what this product service does and then it doesn't do it <laughs> like you know it, it's it's pretty basic right obviously the customer is not going to be upset and like who are they going to blame they're going to blame the person that they had the interaction with which was the salesperson right. right um so i i, I kind of always give this advice to folks i think a lot of salespeople are like really quick to like pull the trigger on like jump into different companies and you know a little bit more commission here a little bit more money there it like really do your research right on like does this product have Product market fit. Do people love it? Like talk to a customer, talk to mm-hmm. another sales rep. Like, yeah, like you can come in and it's going to be a higher OTE for you. But what is the probability of getting that OTE, right? And are you going to lose your soul in the process because you're going to have exactly. to pitch that? Like you're going to have to pitch things that nobody wants. Um. Exactly. So there's a level of diligence I think that that really needs to exist there for salespeople before they jump into you know whatever's next for them.
1: Yeah, I
0: couldn't agree more. That's
1: in and because, you know, I've had people recruited from me and then had people want to come to me and it's always the opposite reason. They get recruited away for more money, but they they come back or they come to me because they've heard about the culture or they've heard about, you know, uh, something I've done for another sales rep or whatever the case is, you know, and so the social proof is there. Uh, And I think that's an, an incredibly important point when talking about, you know who you work with those clients too so you know i do consulting mm-hmm. now and uh one of the first things i do is you know completely break down their product and then i do research on them as an individual because a lot of times i'm working with the the owner the ceo one-on-one you know mm-hmm. and uh i want to make sure that they uh, the alignments there because if mm-hmm. not then mid mid engagement you know what i mean i'm i'm basically my motivation is going to go like this and yeah, you know as well as I do in sales, if if your motivation tanks, you know what I'm saying it's hard to get it back up, especially when it comes to alignment or a core value issue.
0: Yeah, it's um, you know, in in the world you live in, I think in, in consulting, and I see this a lot. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's like a hero's fallacy that like someone's just gonna come in, they're gonna know exactly what I need to do, yeah. right? Um, so I don't need to have an idea of what we need to do this person right. is just going to tell me everything and <laughs> like like yeah. like, like yeah, again you know better than i do but yeah. um you yeah like alignment is so important they're like what are the goals we want to accomplish like how much time we want to give ourselves to achieve these goals what are the resources that we're all going to have to achieve these goals um and i think that's like it's how people should hire people you should have that conversation mm-hmm. it's how it's how when you're interviewing to take a job at a company, when you're hiring that employer, right? Like you should have that conversation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, mutual alignment is just really, really important. It's the tacit contract, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's why I set the expectation early on. It's like, I, I focus a lot on deliverables mm-hmm. and uh, systems and, and documents and reporting mm-hmm. that I deliver, because mm-hmm. I know that that is the foundation at which they can build on. And, um, but it's their magic that's going to build that company, not mine. I'm going to give them some tools along the Mm -hmm. way, you know what I'm saying? But um, if they, they want me to come in and be this magic person, well, all right, now I'm just an employee or now, you know what I'm saying? I'm a -hmm. a fractional at best, but even then it's like, I can't get out there with their team and be in the field with them. You know what I'm saying? And that's where the magic happens in my opinion. 100%
0: like there there's a reason that air traffic control and pilots exist as separate entities right Mm -hmm. pilots are the people flying the plane they make the real time decisions if. uh, You know, they have to change course or or do something but air traffic control is there like feeding them information on like how to potentially think about the decisions that they're going to make right yeah and not making it for them.
1: I think you've alluded to this a little bit already. Um, but I wanted to kind of get your breakdown on it or if this is a particular strategy that you put together. So you use a sales PL for decision making. What is that and, and how have you executed it in the past? Yeah, so
0: this is going to be a little bit different for every business. Uh, so just want to like caveat that, mm-hmm. but you're essentially going to outline, here are our costs, right? Here are our team costs, our insurance costs, our marketing costs, our if, if you let your sales reps take customers to lunch, right? Those, those costs, like right. all of that in one place. You're then gonna model that out, right? Like for the next 12, 18, 24 months, whatever cycle that your business runs on. You're then gonna input your revenue numbers. So, you know, okay, like here's our cost basis, and here's where the, here's like the percentage of where the costs come from. Mm-hmm. And now here is our revenue like that we are like actually bringing in in a given month. And the rough formula is that your sales cost shouldn't be more than 18 to 22% of total revenue. Okay. Right. So back to my comment before, mm-hmm. the reason so many SDRs are getting sort of like lopped off at companies now is they added costs without adding revenue. So the formula broke, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? So we br- brought in all these people at 80, 100 K salaries. And now we went to, oh, sales cost is 40% of revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And the rest of that revenue has got to pay the founders of the company. It's got to pay the end. It's got to pay all the people, right? And all right. Uh, do all the things I your rent, like everything. Mm-hmm. So you break, you eat too much into that cost. You break you break the formula, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by sort of a sales PL of like, okay, like try to really understand how this models out for yourself, like over 12, 18, 24 months. Are your are your costs gonna grow in line with your revenue?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's fine. If your costs grow out of line with your revenue, that's not fine right and even if it feels like you're closing deals or getting things done you might have a really big problem at the end because yeah. there's not there's not going to be the pile of money left over that you need there to be so yeah. that that's what i mean about a sales PL. and that's focused specifically on the cost side of the house on the performance side of the house you want to model out here like here's like the activity that has to happen per mm-hmm. account executive or sales executive, or whatever that looks like from whether it's a call, a walk in a demo, uh, a yeah. contract sign, and then you want to model that out. Right. Um, and you want to compare the two, okay, well, our revenue number is a function of the performance inputs. Here's that model,
2: mm-hmm.
0: how we staff the revenue team, is a function of how we perform against those inputs. Let's staff mm-hmm. that model. And then you have to check it religiously, mm-hmm. right? Because if you model that I expect these reps to do 12 demos a month and they're doing six, for example, well, you're, you're overstaffed by a factor of two, Yeah. right? Um, so you got two options, right? Figure out a way to get more demos mm-hmm. or, or you got to cut cost Or else the system is going to break. Right. I I always like to go for the upside first, right? Okay, let's see if we can solve for the upside, right? Okay, if we can, we modeled out this is how the funnel has to work. 12 demos equals X amount of closes. Let's Mm -hmm. go do all the work to get to those 12 demos. If we can't, the market's not allowing us to, there's not enough leads, whatever it is, I I might not be able to maintain the cost basis of the sales organization that is not hitting the number we need them to hit right as a business owner. Right.
2: And, and that's, it's like, go ahead.
0: Sorry. Yeah. And, and I would just say like one more thing, like this, it's, it, I feel sometimes when I talk about this, it sounds really cold, but it's, it's kind of just the way it is. And even if like, like a company is always going to have to make their math work. Like, mm-hmm. even if they, even if they don't today, like it'll have to work at some point. Like I live in this like startup world and everyone's kind of coming to Jesus on this now about oh, we have to yeah. be profitable, right? Um, but it's the same thing for small businesses. And I also think salespeople should really understand this. And I know it's like, yeah, it's like okay, no, no one's accountants, right? And I, I get that, and I wasn't either, but you should know the game you're playing mm-hmm. because if if your compensation is 40 percent of the revenue you bring in you are at a very high risk of getting fired maybe not today but at some point you are because the math does not work Mm -hmm. and the math will have to work so you either have to get down to 20 percent, or the business is going to do something and i think these types of insights you know for sales people you know it's like going and playing a football game without knowing the rules right like yeah like, I, I, so I know sounds, I, like you know like I, I know i have to get to a touchdown but yeah. you know what are all the things that have to happen um so it, it's again it sounds cold it sounds like dollars and cents and like you know people are so much more than numbers on a spreadsheet but it, like at the end of the day math has to work in a business for from costs to revenue and sales are unfortunately part of those costs right and mm-hmm. acquiring revenue so you need to know like what are the what are the formulas need to look like and like to your point before like you did this right like you went and figured out like your territory or your customer profitability so like what is the decision making after that Well, you go and you focus on the profitable customers right, right? absolutely right? Like, the, yeah. <laughs> like, like like that's what you do right because okay well clearly something's off with this group of people this group of customers and my job's mm-hmm. going to be at risk if i keep focusing here so yeah um sorry long-winded answer to that question but
1: no um, and it it makes a lot of sense and in i would just add that there needs to be an extreme accountability that happens right this whole idea of oh i'm going to hire with my gut i'm going to manage my team with my gut and unicorns and rainbows and everything that's great and oh i'm keeping john on cuz you know john's a good person and um you know he aligns with our core values you know when it comes to these type of things you have a minimum that you have to meet And like, Mm -hmm. you can hit that minimum and keep somebody on because they align with the core values. Maybe you can just move them around in the company and, and, or you want to keep them because they're a great, a future great manager, right? We -hmm. all know that the greatest salespeople aren't the greatest managers. It's that average salesperson that consistently Mm -hmm. performs day in and day out. That's the manager, right? And so, um, but they have to hit that minimum, Mm -hmm. You know, we can't just hope. Right. And so that's that's where the extreme accountability comes in for you as a business owner to know those numbers and to break those downs. And you do you have to nerd out for a second and like mm-hmm. basically break it all down, whether it's on a piece of paper or a spreadsheet, like get those numbers, you know. And then if you got the budget, then, you know, use a software like Rhythm in order to give you that dashboard. And, and to your point, like you don't want to find out two weeks after the quarter ends like you did Uh, early on in your career you know what i'm saying Mm. you want you know my my whole thing is i want the numbers daily i want it daily i want to feel that dip right when it happens and then i can Mm. i can react to it if i need to because if it happens two or three days in a row okay now i know it's a trend now i know Mm -hmm. i I need to correct right if it happens one day let me see what happens tomorrow right Mm -hmm. and so that pulse it's so incredibly important, which why is, is why I love softwares like yours that, that put that together, right? It's basically you, mm-hmm. you open it up, and you've got a pulse, and you can go deep or wide or whatever you need to. And then the other piece of it is, like you said, as a salesperson, you need to know those numbers. But I would not argue necessarily, but I would convict my fellow business owners or VPs of sales or sales managers that, hey, no one's going to know those numbers better than you do. And no one knows the the metrics and the numbers that you need in order to maintain that salesperson so again the same way my me as a ceo or me as a vp or manager needs a pulse on those numbers so do your sales
0: so make sure it trickles down to them so they can uh, have that vision you know absolutely and th- this is why i think it's so important to be rigorous about this stuff at the highest level because you as a business owner or vp whatever it is at some point are going to have to make difficult decisions it's happened to every company right Mm -hmm. no one's no no one's uh you know free from doing that and you know something we used to do at the company i used to work for was every month slash quarter when we do our board meetings we would take the board deck so all the nitty-gritty every little piece of everything happening in the business And we'd share it with the whole company um and then we'd have a meeting where we would actually run through it with everybody at the company and what that allowed us to do was it gave people line of sight into challenges that like we were clearly having right and so then when we go have to make a decision and say hey like listen we're going to have to increase quotas by 10 percent no one's gonna like it no one's gonna be happy that it happened but mm-hmm. there's a raw understanding of why it had to happen All right All right. and again not great but at least at at least in that way of communicating these numbers to your whole team mm. you get a level of just understanding that this isn't some you know, black magic that we're trying to just increase revenue where it's like there's a real reason this has to happen, like something's broken, and if we don't fix it, we're going to have a bigger problem.
1: I couldn't agree more. And if you have a a purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not just greed, (laughs) I guess (laughs) you should say, because that's the first thing they think, right? Oh, they want us to increase our quota by 10%. They just want to Mm -hmm. make more money, you know, which is, yes, true to a certain degree, because when we do that, all right, we secure our all of our positions even further, all of our purpose even further. And in our first job is secure that purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And so um when you when you when you do that and you communicate that and then you have the numbers to bag it, that's that's massive in terms of leadership.
0: You know. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think and I think this is what comes back to salespeople knowing the game too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Um so if you're if you're in a company or in a situation and again your compensation is 50% 60% of what you're bringing in. Yeah. Like you just need to know that that's not going to last, all right? Enjoy mm-hmm. it. All right? Enjoy it while you have it, but like be pragmatic and understand that the business won't be able to run actually if that's what the formula looks like. No, I couldn't agree more. You know, make uh, all the money, no doubt, like t- just, you know, <laughs> bend, like bank it all, but, just, but yeah. just, you know, don't, don't be surprised when it has to change.
1: So you posted a recent clip, uh, and it pertained to leadership. You were talking about taking the bullets, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, I resonated with this a lot because, you know, not only have I had to do it recently, but throughout my career, basically stand up in front of my team and tell them, you know, bad news. <laughs> mm-hmm. commissions yeah. being cut, um, product, losing products, you know, these things that affect their livelihood, their income, you know, or having to cut people, lose lay people off, all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, And you talked about taking the bullets versus kind of making up the story and skirting the truth. Can you kind mm-hmm. of dive into that for us a little bit?
0: Yeah. Um, Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, People know when other people are full of shit. Um, And when you are running an organization, be it a revenue organization or really anything, Mm -hmm. the worst thing that can happen is when people stop believing what you say. Because when people stop believing what you say, life for the employee becomes unpredictability because I don't believe what this person says. I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen next. That is a far, far, far worse place to be than people just knowing the company's not doing well. <laughs> and that yeah. there is and that and that there is a plan around it. So when I say taking the bullets, it means being honest to the level that you can be, right, with the team about exactly what is happening, Mm -hmm. exactly what has to change, exactly the plan about how this is going to have to change with a raw acknowledgement that you might be entering a knife fight. Yeah, And that everything I just said might change next week, right? Because the reason I'm taking bullets is something bad is happening, right? And, that, yeah. that, and that's why we're doing this, again, which no business um, is free from. This happens to everybody all the time, right? It's just the nature of doing this type of work. So I was a rep, I was an SDR, I was an AE leaders would get up there in front of the team and they'd start doing the the song and the dance and the rah-rah and they'd be like taping money to the wall and saying yeah like it's tough times but look like we're gonna give like incentives for all this stuff And that's fine and there's a time and a place for that but you know when i say taking the bullets it means having the hard conversations and saying listen like something happened and what happened is probably not in the control of anybody in this room right uh unfortunately that doesn't matter i know that sucks i know it's really hard to hear but if we don't make a change there's a bigger problem that's going to happen right in six months from now which is we're going to have to like over a bunch of people so we have to go from x to y and it's like no one's going to be happy with it right and you're always going to get a couple people who like throw questions at you and you know don't throw questions, but just sit, make statements that are kind of prickly about the situation. And, you know, your job as a leader at the end of that conversation, whether it's on Zoom or in person is like, just still be standing there after all the bullets came at you because that signals that there's, that signals confidence, the rest of the team mm-hmm. that, yeah. okay, like we threw all this stuff at you. You're okay. You're fine. That means we should be fine. This is a bad situation. We're going to go figure it out. And you bring people along for the ride and not everybody likes it, but that's just my style. I don't like rah, rah. I don't like, you know, sleight of hand, look over here while something else is happening. Yeah. I think, I think people need the truth. And then frankly, if people quit because you told them the truth, good, right? Like (laughs) if you're in a bad situation and you want, like, you don't want people who don't like who aren't ready to kind of like dig in with you there. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you want, you want the warriors, you want the people who are going to grind with you. And that's the, that, that's how I like to do things. Right. And I think that it takes, you know, I learned this early in my career from somebody, but you know, it just takes some courage to go up in front of a team and be like, yeah, like we, we, we f up. Yeah. Like the, like the company effed up, not you.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, I, I couldn't agree more. Cause it also gives them the opportunity to make a decision that's best for them. Absolutely. Right. You know? Absolutely. And, and yeah, the, the people that are left after this shakeup or whatever the case is that get to make that decision versus you making it for them in a couple of months when you have to lay them off you know mm-hmm. um or whatever the case is like then they it, can
0: stay convicted in it you know you know i used to say this to our hr people all the time because you know hr folks i, I love them dearly but you know they they want to follow a a, a by the book set of ways of doing things yeah. and you know, I, I never my job as a VP of sales or a business owner is not to control the psychology of my employees. My job as a business owner is to hire people who are adults who are capable of controlling their own psychology and feeding them up to date, authentic and transparent information for them to make decisions. And if I've hired well, they'll make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is that is just my way of doing things. I, I you have to you have to hire adults. Right. Um, And, you know, I think, I just think we've all seen this and Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's such a critical thing. If you want to kind of build and maintain like a good culture for the long haul, because no matter what, even if they hate what came out of your mouth, as long as they know it's true, your credibility and and trust that you have with the team will stay intact. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's just... I think the, you know, kind of the, the TLDR on like taking the bullets, like you got to keep your trust intact.
1: Hell yeah. No, I love it. Okay. So one of the questions and we're wrapping up here that we like to ask at the end of the podcast has just been something that we've been passionate about for over a year now asking about this, because we get some amazing answers and some Mm eye-opening answers, you know, and, and also, you know, especially with founders and, you know, owners and business owners and, you know, high level performers, they think about this a lot, you know, and so my question is, uh, what is legacy to you? And what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: Wow, that is a that is a great, great thought provoking question. Um, Legacy to me is I meant everything to a small group of people, um, not something to a wide group of people. And when I think about the legacy I want to leave behind, it's, I made other people feel strong and that happened to me with, with my grandfather and I reflect on it a lot um and i think about it a lot and you know he's been gone for a long time but you know his legacy is very alive deeply with me Mm -hmm. um and because he made me feel comfortable and strong so yeah i think that's my answer i don't know know if that makes sense
1: it it makes it makes a ton of sense and I wanna thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I know we went from like super tactical <laughs> to you know what I mean, like yeah, yeah, yeah. A you, you, intense you conversation. Out the, out the <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but I, I I love your answer because I know it's real. You know what I mean? It wasn't the PR answer uh that a founder, you know, sometimes gives. <laughs> and but but I also like the uniqueness of it, make other people feel strong. Because a lot of people talk about impacting other people in a positive way, but uh I think there there's something to be said about somebody that you have a conversation with, you impact, and they walk out in the world and they're confident and they're strong because of that conversation. You, you, you lifted them up
0: basically. Yeah. I think you, you, you just, you just gave a lot, like a great like, detail to, I think that the feeling I was trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's no real reason, like why make anybody feel small, right? Like, you know, we're all figuring it out. Everybody's full of shit in their own in their own, in their, own in, in, their, in, their, in their in their own way um, so I think uh, yeah that's uh that that's I think really important and again I think it's just like you know we're we're, we're all just versions of what we were when we were younger right and mm-hmm. you know when when you reflect back on you know who laid the bricks for your own psyche and way of doing things like You know, as you get older, you start to really like, oh, wow. Like there was actually a lot more lesson in that than I thought there was.
1: 100%. Well, Tommy, brother, I appreciate you coming on the podcast um, and sharing all the knowledge that you have with us and uh, making an impact in others. And I think your product does, you know, whether you realize it or not, make a lot of people stronger in the sense because (laughs) now they have the information they need to go out and crush it in the workforce or crush it in the sales game, whatever the case may be. And so mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. All right. Let's get building. All right. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the building Great sales teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Steumann in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.